pixel art style versus substance and those iconic HD 2D visuals. Nostalgia as an economy, the strongest and weakest tales in Octopath, and a whole lot of perspectives on the prerequisites for enjoying grinding in RPGs. I'm the Well-Read Mage, and this is MageCast. Take the path less traveled with us as we journey into this octet of stories told in Octopath Traveler, taking the time to investigate the nature of storytelling in a game comprised almost entirely of eight vignettes. It's honestly refreshing to spend some time away from discussing the mechanical to break down that which is narrative, but fans of the mechanical and architectural, don't worry, there's much to discuss indeed. With me on this journey of journeys is fellow streamer, semi-retired blogger, and caffeinated hero Ryan from Games With Coffee, as well as editor, writer, and fan of Slash, Corey from PopZara. I think you'll find that the road ahead has some stones and potholes along the way, unpredictable hazards, blind turns, and corridors down which one might get lost, much like any good conversation. MageCast is the podcast for the lonely, for those who miss the simple pleasure of a shared dialogue. MageCast is the podcast for conversationalists in a world where we've already stopped listening to each other. As ever, you can help support MageCast by visiting patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where episodes are offered in early access before going live for the public. You can also learn more at thepixels.com, that's the-pixels.com, or find me on Twitter and Twitch at the Well-Read Mage. Now let's start the show. Speed, justice, adventure. Hello, friends. This is MageCast coming at you with uh, two of my besties here. I've got Coffee Ryan, a.k.a. Games with Coffee. How are you? Oh, I'm way past awesome. How are you doing? I I just laughed some phlegm out of my deep throat. (laughs) All this humor going on. Oh, gross. Yeah, mm, it's good for podcasting. And we also have the legendary Corey, a.k.a. Alfonso Deegan. How are you? Hey, I'm good. I'm enjoying a chili dog. It's great. Happy to be here. Mm, yeah, chili, chili dogs. Dog. Mm, can't remember the last time I had a chili dog. Uh, so, gentlemen, this might be the mage cast that was uh, the, the episode that went to development hell. I think... <laughs> I mean, I was trying to figure out when I was first like, hey, you guys want to do an Octopath episode? Uh, and it might have been when the game came out. <laughs> that was, wow. It's a, a, long, was a time long, ago. long time ago. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot. Yeah. <laughs> time flies. That was 2018 already. Yes. Crazy. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, let's start with Coffee Ryan. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, and yeah. what you're working on. For sure. And I'll try to do it in 5,000 words or less. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Fan fiction writer talking right here. Well, so if you guys don't know me, my name is Ryan. I go by the moniker Games with Coffee or Coffee for short. And um, I'm a semi-retired blogger, a Twitch streamer, and a author for um, a little-known fanfiction called Mobius 7, which is answers which asks the question, what would happen if the plot of Final Fantasy VII occurred in the Sonic the Hedgehog universe? And I kid you not, it's actually much better than you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy retired. How's Cancun? Ah, Cancun's beautiful. If I could actually go there. 
<laughs> yeah, kind of the I'm stuck in of I'm stuck at, in yeah. I'm stuck in the north here freezing my butt off. <laughs> <laughs> Mobius, so here here I'm gonna hold you to some promises here. Okay. Because this is being recorded. Uh when's Mobius 2 coming? Uh book two? Whew. Okay, so I'm in the process of outlining it right now. I did the rough outlines just before Christmas. I'm doing a more detailed outline right now, planning on doing a rough draft by starting mid-year to end of year and then 2023 no sorry this is 2020 this is 2022 right now right yeah so 2023 i'll start (laughs) on the good on the good draft get that edited and i'm hoping by q3 2023 i'll start putting up chapters for book two excellent excellent let me know when I can go to a Barnes and Noble and get that like signed by you. <laughs> it's fan fiction. I doubt that anybody will actually. Oh come on, <laughs> come on! Barnes and Noble publishes fan fiction. They just don't call it fan fiction. Yeah, like Twilight, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. It's basically, just Dracula fan fiction. But I mean, I eventually, yeah. I eventually do want to publish my own, my own fantasy story. And this is this this work with Mobius Seven is just kind of work that's leading up to it. So I mean, mm-hmm. I've been also taking classes, taking courses because, yes, I know I, I I'm trying to be humble here, but I do have a bit of a natural writing talent. But you know, talent can only get you so far. You got to work at it, mm-hmm. right? So yes, got to train at like Goku and hopefully go Super Saiyan at one point. <laughs> yes, it's a craft. It is. It's a craft. I think so many people, I mean, we're not going to get too philosophical right here. It's the start of the show, guys. Uh, But I think so many people approach art as, and I think writing is an art form, uh, as, you know, just wait till the muse bites you and you're born with it or you're not. But it's a craft. You have to work on refining it. You have to dump your skill points into certain aspects of it. It's just, it's a thing that you have to practice. Practice makes better, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed, yeah. Well, Corey is also a writer. Hey. Uh, Corey... Thanks for being on the show again. We just had you on fairly recently, I feel like. Didn't you and I just talk? Uh, I believe we talked about Vagrant Story a little while back. Did we talk about Legend of Mana yet, or is that later on? Uh, brr, that's later on. Maybe I just talked to somebody who sounded like you. Yeah, know. we're... we're- <laughs> 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 yeah we are we're definitely gonna talk about legend of mana at some point it's one of my favorite video games of all time uh we talked about vagrant story at one point um but yeah i'm here today to talk about uh octopath traveler which is another favorite game of mine so i'm happy to be here heck yes so uh tell us a little bit more about yourself would you and uh maybe anything that you're working on right now sure i work for the uh, u.s federal government uh i don't Ooh. worry too much i'm not gonna fbi uh, yeah exactly um <laughs> When I'm not doing that, I work for Popzara, P-O-P-Z-A-R-A.com. Um, we review games. Um, I also review games for the Well-Written Age. Uh, no, I don't. I review games for the Pixels. Sorry. Oh, gosh. Oh, I've no. done that so many times. <laughs> don't even worry about it. Damn it. I'll be like on somebody's <laughs> podcast. I'll be like, and come and visit the Well-Written Don't. It's dead. <laughs> Go to the Pixels.com. <laughs> it's okay. dead. It shall stay so, dead. So in <laughs> reality... <laughs> I review games for the for the pixels, the pixels, the pixels, <laughs> the, pixels the pixels dot com. <laughs> it's where I review games. Uh, we have a review of uh, the new uh, strategy RPG Monarch. Uh, I'm working on mm. that. It's going to be great. Game is really good. Please look forward to it. Um, I'm going to stop talking before I embarrass myself any further. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. So embarrassing yourself is is what you it's do. mandatory, right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. All totally right. Is. There you go. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm so glad to, to chat with you too. I, I know we've been trying to get you to 
on the same episode for a while. Um, you're both pure souls in your different ways. Okay. Coffee. I just have to tell a little anecdote, a small anecdote. And Corey, if this embarrasses you even further, you, know, you can't go any, you know what? Go for it. Knock, knock <laughs> stuff out. Let's do it. This ought to be good. So, so I mean, coffee, you know, we've had, we've had writers come and go. We've had writers come and go for, voluntary reasons Mm -hmm. we've had writers come and go for mandatory reasons like you need to get out (laughs) now yeah Uh, i cleaned house a couple times with a few folks and with a a bulk of folks uh 70 writers was just too much at a certain point anyway so we kicked out a bunch of people and i kid you not coffee so Corey, at one point Uh, he's like, hey, you're not going to get rid of coffee, right? He's like the purest soul. Oh, so that is, that <laughs> it's, true. it's true. Like, Do you remember is, that, Corey? This, you, you this told man, me that. this man only cares about speed and justice and adventure. And that's all pure. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. You know me, Sonic the Hedgehog fan right there. <laughs> yes. Yes. So. Uh, coffee. It's not like you were ever on the chopping block. I gotta oh, tell thank you, God. Uh, but no, nah, I mean, come I would have, I would have like, stepped up myself. I would have been <laughs> like, yeah, you're not kicking out Sonic guy. Like, no, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, so but, sweet. Yeah, but you got it. You got to know that there were there was at least one person who was like, don't cut coffee, and I was like, I wasn't gonna cut coffee anyway. Anyway, <laughs> moving on here. This is Magecast episode 70. We made it to the big 7-0. Probably should have saved this for the big 8-0, but uh, that's nothing's cute. perfect. That's yeah, mm. <laughs> cute. There's going to be a lot of that this episode. I'm sorry. Uh, the title of the episode is The Fateful Eight. Octopath Traveler is the game that we're talking is about. That we is with? We, that, that's the title we chose? That's the title we chose. I like it. It's good. It's hey, good thanks. It's a good one. Thank you. Uh, duct tape, I believe it was, uh, our old Bubby duct tape, um, suggested the hateful eight. And I was like, ah, one of them is Primrose. <laughs> yeah. is a, a, a single character is kind of an anti-hero <laughs> and that's it. So, yeah, this was a hard episode to name, but I, I kind of riffed a little bit off of hateful eight. So duct tape, it's, you get the point for that one. It's all good. Plus one. Uh, Oct- <laughs> yes. Octopath Traveler, developed by Square Enix and Acquire, and published by Square Enix in 2018 for Nintendo Switch. Now, of course, it is on PC. Go and enjoy it, please. Uh, Shadewing on Twitter said, the kind of game I wish was the norm for Square Enix and not the exception. By the way, folks, this is a spoilers episode. We're going to talk story heaviness. So if you've not played this game yet, please do play it. It's it's good. Uh, it is, I it's get, very good. Yeah. Indeed. I mean, I get and we'll get, we'll we'll reach a certain point on this episode where we reflect upon uh, what seems to be a, a pretty common consensus that the game is is kind of boring uh, and a little grindy, but We'll see what we have to say when we get there. A couple of mage facts to open. Octopath began as a project led by Masashi Takahashi and Tomoya Asona, who helped create Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Now, I haven't played either of those. Every time I'm like, Chrono Trigger is a Final Fantasy, somebody inevitably says, what about Bravely Default? What do you guys say? I mean, is Bravely Default a great game? Corey, I'm sure you've played that game. Uh, I was going to also leap in there and take the lead here. Um, yeah. So Bradley Default's combat system has a lot in common with Octopath. So the relationship between the two is pretty obvious. Um, 
And yeah, no, they're fantastic games. I will say uh, Bravely Default 2, the one that came out in Switch recently, maybe not quite as good. Uh, maybe okay. don't start with that one. Start with the other ones first. Um, it's fine. It's not great. Anyway, we're not going to There's only game. the two games, right? It's just no, Bravely Default three. and Bravely Second. Well, what is Bravely? Is it called Bravely 3? So we've got Bravely Default. We've got Bravely Second. We've got Bravely Default 2. Oh, that's three different confusing. games. Yeah, <laughs> it's dumb. Way to... <laughs> yeah, Japanese yeah, RPG naming mechanics are always bizarre. I'm I'm the Japanese RPG guy with the with the pixels though, so it's kind of my job yes. to do these things. Honestly, um, this, is, yeah. this this is a commonality with Square Enix and naming their stuff. I mean, God, we had Kingdom Hearts, Dream Drop Distance, Kingdom oh, Hearts Two Point Eight, oh, Final Chapter Prologue. Like, holy Christ, <laughs> that that's its own whole Mage Cats podcast in itself. I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, nah. If you liked Bravely Default, like, and th- this game has a very similar combat system. It's a lot of fun. Um. The idea, incidentally, is that like you can basically take your turns in advance. If you want to do a whole lot of attacks at once, you can do so. And if you kill the enemies all at once, it's fine. You don't have to pay for it. Um. If you want to defend a bunch, you can save up your turns pay them off later and do your damage later. Um, it's uh, a cute concept really does a lot for the whole ent- entire idea of uh, turn-based combat, which um, I definitely heard. Uh, I've heard people describe turn-based combat. as kind of like a thing that's not quite as good as it used to be um, because basically turn-based combat, right? Boils down to, if you remember to heal, you'll never lose. And that's mm. reasonable. That's why you have to have these gimmicks, like with these brave points and these default points, like, uh, save up turns, spin turns, and so on. And that's what we have in Bravely that's, Default. Yeah, there's a... Oh, man, there's a lot of good that you said right there. I think we'll definitely return to the turn-based sure. uh, discussion. It is interesting to note that Octopath lifts those... I think in Octopath it was called the uh, boost points. Yeah, right? I BP? believe so. BP, boost, yeah. boost points, yeah. Uh, it was a... I mean, so this was the first time... Because I hadn't played the Bravely games. So this is the first time that I encountered this system. And I thought it was neat. It allows you to th- kind of think and plan ahead a few right. steps rather than be like this turn. I know I'm going to be hit for this damage. So I'll just it, with turn base. It seems like you just, if it's you're just a, doing attack, 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 turn base is kind again. of a deterministic system, right? Like, uh, right. You know, the boss is going to do this thing at this point. So you, you defend at this point or you heal at this point. If it's a game where defending is not useful or you attack at this point, we know the boss doesn't do anything special. Um, Bravely to fall and by, uh, by extension, Octopath Traveler have this idea that's like, yeah, um, if I think I need a lot of healing, I can do multiple turns of healing at once or multiple turns of damage at once and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a cool idea. Yeah. Next uh, mage fact here, the now immediately recognizable HD 2D art style for Octopath's visuals came about after the concern that a literal 2D pixel game might be considered plain old and outdated, to quote one of the producers. The developer's goal was to revive classic pixel style games while making it look more interesting for modern players, and they looked to the PlayStation 1 and Super Nintendo eras for inspiration. I think the PlayStation shout out is particularly interesting what you might have called 2.5 d perhaps uh but i think of games like um breath of fire 3 where you had two-dimensional characters 
on a three-dimensional space and you could kind of spin that around or they could move back and forth into the foreground and the background. Uh, does that sound at all on point? Uh, I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't see no gears also count as that too. Two-dimensional characters on three-dimensional yeah. point. That, that's also, that's yeah. also the first game I kind of thought of. God, that is the game that I most am reminded of when I play Octopath. It looks a lot like Xenogears. Oh. Yeah, definitely does. So it seems like for sure that was uh, something that they took heavy inspiration from. I think the Super Nintendo inspiration, probably specifically for the sprites, uh, the characters look as if they leap out of a Super Nintendo game for sure. Now, the idea of a 2D pixel game being considered old and outdated by modern players is I think an interesting one. Corey previously in your writings for uh, the wellreadmage.com now the pixels.com mm-hmm. uh, you mentioned uh, the indie pixel apocalypse, I believe was the, your phrasing. So <laughs> uh, there was definitely a point at which we decided that pixel art was the way to go to brand new games. And there's numerous reasons for that. Uh, it's easier. I, you know, I, I don't want to say easy to do because that's not accurate. Easier to do. Um, it's very popular. People like it and it's very common. It makes you part of, I guess the indie games community, I guess if you do that. So we have games like, um, contemporary Occupy traveler. We've got dungeon of the endless. Um, We've got Children of Morta, things like that. Um, yeah. And things, you know, games like that, it, it looks fine. But I think Occupy Traveler really outdoes a lot of these games by looking like its own thing. Um, yeah. It really merges this pixel art and this 3D art in a way that we don't often see. It is a game that uses pixel art as an aesthetic decision, not as a like, hey, we have the same money. Let's make pixel art. It'll be cheaper. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're definitely not spending the kind of cash of like hiring actors, motion capturing their faces and all sorts of things there. You're you're drawing up these smaller characters uh, and creating these environments for them to move through. Right. It is interesting then in regards to what you just said that, you know, it seems indies are fairly widely embraced. Um, yeah, there's yeah. definitely I mean, there's... a very strong underdog narrative for indies as well. They're like, oh, right. my gosh, protect the indies, support the indies, which is fine. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. What I am saying is that it seems odd for the developers of Octopath to be concerned about, oh, crap, we can't just make a 2D pixel game. Nobody likes that anymore. Whereas a lot of pixel art indie games use that as a means to an end. Octopath Traveler is kind of like a... It's an aesthetic choice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And Coffee, you were going to say something on that? Yeah, of course. Um, the, the fact that they use pixel art, when I, when I think of pixel art, I think of something timeless and classic. Like, you, like let's think of the, the PS1 era with its really blocky and absolutely terrible polygons. Like, there, there's nothing really classy or there's nothing really timeless about that. But pixel art, pixel art is almost forever, in a sense. It has its own. It has its own kind of thing to it. So yeah, coffee. Now you're absolutely right. Like there's a certain degree of nostalgia associated with that. And what I like about Octopi Traveler in particular is the way in which that's used as a means of advancing that nostalgia. Um, I've played a lot of indie games. I've got how my where am I sitting right now? Uh, thirty five hundred games on Steam, and uh, <laughs> a sizable portion of those 
are indie games that decided to be pixel art games, presumably because they want to be nostalgic. Um, and you know, just making a pixel art game does not make you a classic NES title. It doesn't make you a classic SNES title. It makes Very you true. a yes. game that chose to use pixel art. So I totally get to what you're saying. When I reviewed um, a game called Oniken, a uh, companion game to Odalis, uh, they were games that pixel art, of course, right? It almost seems like, oh, pixel art, of course. But beyond that, I felt like they had really captured the level design, the approach to difficulty design, uh, the demand of the controls and the speed that uh, is required from the, the player that all harken back to specific uh, inspirations from NES games. So Oniken was obviously a Ninja Gaiden game. It wasn't just like, hey, old games, look at these visuals. Right. I totally get that, certainly in the indie sphere, and I guess here you know, with Octopath as well, coming from a big publisher like Square Enix, uh, nostalgia is absolutely an economy in and of itself. I mean, a nostalgia is something that they can slap onto or design into uh, a product in order to invoke those kind of deep feelings in somebody. And so I feel like some games do it better than others is what I hear you saying, Corey. Yeah. And some games just kind of have a superficial facade. There. For instance, you mentioned Odalis. Um, Odalis to me is the kind of game that really wants to be, an old school like PC ninety eight game, mm-hmm. and that's not to say it doesn't nail that. I mean, the game is fine; it's a lot of fun to play. But when I play Octopath, Octopath is like, yeah, if the developers of old were given the tech we have now, this is the game they would have made. No, it's just I just have to agree. It's it's exactly as you say. If if the technology was now is available back in like nineteen nineties, like for instance, if okay. You're going to hate me for this, Red. But if, for oh, instance, no. the Dream Team had the technology to make Chrono Trigger today, back then, then Chrono Trigger would look probably look closer to Octopath than anything yeah, else. Yeah, very likely. Very likely. Yeah, that's, that's a huge possibility for sure. Um, I mean, the interesting thing there is like, imagine if Hironobu Sakaguchi now made Chrono Trigger and Yuji Horii now made Chrono Trigger. One of the things that I've always advocated for with remaking Chrono Trigger is like you can't just get the same people together again. They're all older now. They're, they've all had new experiences now. So, But that's interesting to think that I think generally speaking, Octopath does seem like it comes from a bygone era, perhaps for better or worse. Right. But moving on mm-hmm. here. Another fact, Triangle Strategy is an upcoming tactical RPG due to release in March 2022. And Dragon Quest 3 is receiving a remake, also using the HD 2D aesthetic like Triangle Strategy. Uh, both look to borrow heavily from Octopath's style here. Um, a question for you. What game would you want to see get, quote, the Octopath treatment? I can't tell you how many times I've run into that phrase, the Octopath treatment. I mean, the Octopath treatment is kind of its own thing because yeah, when it, it came it out, is. yeah, when it came out, it was it was the just wow, like where did this come from? It was a completely different aesthetic that no one would have expected, and it's now now ubiquitously has its own name to it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if I would have to pick a game, though, first thing, uh, first one I would pick probably would be Final Fantasy VI. Six deserves of the Octopath treatment for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. That, that I think, uh, any of the old classic final fantasy games would be uh, pretty brilliant to see in this. Uh, what about you, Corey? You know, final fantasy six is a very solid choice. I don't know if I could deviate from that. Really. Um, having played it recently, it's the kind of game that could have really used this sort of update. Um, but if I were to choose something different, I would say, let's look at something weird. Let's say uh, Tecmo Secret of the Stars. Let's say, uh, ah, yeah, that is weird. Let's do something strange <laughs> like that. Let's um, yeah, let, let's take one of these more obscure RPGs, make it something new, and then go from there. Fantasy Star. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. we go. Exactly. Oh, going way back. Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially, yeah, Fantasy Star is a great choice because um, modern Fantasy Star games are mostly online. They're mostly RPG, uh, MMORPGs. They're mostly, uh, you know, spend 20 hours grinding. And we'll talk about grinding soon. <laughs> I'm not exactly anti-grinding, but uh, a modern take on Fantasy Star 4 would be delightful. And it seems like, I mean, if you say Fantasy Star 1, I've never played it, but I tried <laughs> I feel like some of the more older games uh, would definitely benefit. Um, I guess my answer would actually be Golden Sun after wow. thinking about oh, it recently. Yeah, that's a good one. Because you're looking at a Game Boy Advance game. I could definitely stand to have a visual facelift uh, for a console release. And then also the battle style, if you visual style to it, that flair. Uh, definitely had an Octopath sort of thing going on where you had 2D sprites, but there was a definitely a 3D kind of space there between them. So that would be interesting to see. Yeah, good choice, but, good choice. Oh, hey, thank you. <laughs> but to echo a sentiment from uh, the previous podcast without trying to make the point again, although I, I'm going to, um, and that is that I like ice cream, but I don't want ice cream for every meal. So... I like the Octopath visuals, but I don't want them on everything. Like some people are like, oh man, remake every RPG like this. And it's like, yeah, but where's the room for innovation, right? Octopath is awesome because it's special. Octopath is cool because it has those unique visuals. That's what stunned us. Like coffee said, the first time that we saw it, we we're like, oh my gosh, this is new. This is different. That's stunning. So I like that they're doing things like uh, triangle strategy is awesome. Maybe the next one after that can be called circular reasoning or something. <laughs> Dragon Quest three. Amazing. <laughs> Dra the, here, well, <laughs> Dragon Quest three getting a remake with HD 2D is cool. I don't yeah. know, like remaking the entirety of the Dragon Quest series like this. But again, I, I just think it's it's beautiful because it's special. After the thrilling success of the Gaia Seed Kickstarter, transmedia company Bifrost Bridge Studios has turned its sights to Patreon. Through their crowdfunding campaign, you can gain access to the page-by-page -page graphic novel blending neurodiversity with utopian ideals, their science fantasy tale, Gaia Seed, as well as high-res digital content and rare physical content, even awesome retro gaming gear such as we've been giving away on Wednesday nights on Twitch. Help build the future by encouraging technical literacy and empowering young voices by visiting patreon.com forward slash Bifrost Bridge Studios. Link in the description below. The first letters of the names of the playable characters spelled Octopath when put together. That's Ulbrich, Cyrus, Tressa, Ophelia, Primrose, Alfin, 
Therion and Anit. <laughs> you know, I I always thought it was I always thought it was Hanit. Hanit, I have no idea. Yeah, I always thought it was Hanit. Oh no! Now hang on, hang on, hang on. I did learn this in college. I believe her name is Hebrew, in which case it would be Hanit. Hanit. I believe Hanit because there's a e e in there in there for the i. Uh, um, it is a Hebrew word meaning spear. Pretty sure somebody who I mean, knows that would is make sense to given, her, like, given her specialization too. Oh, yes, yeah, very much yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, they could have called her wolf or anything like that. <laughs> so now, Corey, I throw you under the bus again. You didn't know this. I didn't know this. No, I <laughs> I knew there were eight characters. I just never did the homework. I was like, oh, well, obviously, um, we'll talk about this later. Like, obviously, I picked Alfin. And I'm like, having picked Alfin, like, obviously he was meant to be the main character. Like, why am I worried about anybody else? <laughs> now, you know what? Uh, earlier, I think I told you a falsehood that the game starts off at, the, like, the character select screen when you first start um, in this order. Mm -hmm. And it does not look like it actually does. So you've, you've loaded up and now you've looked. I'm looking at screenshots here. So where does it uh, start in that case? Hang on, hang on. Is okay, it so alphabetical? There's, there's varying screenshots, and it looks like you can cycle through them, and then as you do that, uh, the further characters to the left. Coffee, you you replayed this recently? Did you have a chance to replay it? Um, slightly. In fact, actually, I have it. I have it right here in front of me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't verify like a new game though. Can you? Um, no. I, well, I mean, I could. Give me a second. Go back to the title. So now we have to know. All right. So give me, give me a second here. Because I'm, I'm curious now. So what was the question? Alfion, Therion. Oh, this might be different. Uh, okay. When you start a new game on Octopath and it first prompts you to pick a character, what are the order? What is the order of the characters? in that very first prompt without cycling through any characters. Um, well, what, what it does is on the, on the new game screen, when you start up, it actually mm -hmm. just drops you like a little feather icon on the map. And you can, from there, it'll, you can select any character regardless of what order it's in. Which one is so, the place you want initially though? Uh, for me, it was placed right by Cyrus. Mm. So I don't know if it's mm. randomized though. Let me see. I'm going to try starting a new game and see what happens. Another one. So I went out. Okay. So again, it started, it started at Cyrus again. Ah, or started near Cyrus again. So yeah, I, well, I didn't know this until somebody pointed it out to me either. It's not like I had the, the cleverness to be like, oh, hey, they, it spells Octopath. Um, but obviously that clearly means uh, that the intended primary antagonist is either Ophelia or Ulbrich, because now I don't trust this order that I wrote them no. down in. <laughs> <laughs> so question as we get into the bulk of the episode, is there an intended pri primary and protagonist, not antagonist? Uh, and in simpler terms, Info Sprinkles on Twitter asks, who did you pick first? Uh, let's start with Ryan. Oh, yeah, sure. So in terms of the intended primary protagonist, um, I was looking at actually back at some of the journal entries um, for each of the characters. And one person that really stuck out to me was, um, was Ophelia. 
um, mm-hmm. her journey through uh, through the realm in order to light to um, relight these uh, I guess these candles or these lanterns from a flame from her hometown. I guess they call it, they call it the kindling, right? So she has to go there. She has to go to different towns to relight this flame in order to you know. To, I guess it's to appease uh, this god of light or something like that, or to, or to allow them to that this god of light to protect them. So, to me, that kind of sounds pretty archetypical of uh, of a JRPG. Like you have this, mm-hmm. you have this one character that has to go around and you know perform some sort of ritual, and to in order to to protect the town. But what's great about Ophelia's story is that she initially didn't wasn't selected to do this. It was her best friend who did it. And then because of circumstances that happened in her home, she decides to take up the reins and, and do it herself. And, and it's, see, to me, I feel like, and this is kind of, this is going to go more into the actual lore of the, uh, of Octopath itself. But I feel like Ophelia's journey with, with, um, with the kindling rituals, it kind of encompasses more of what's actually going on in that world. Because if you look, like, in, if you read in between the lines of, of the gods and the deities that um, that surround that region, you'll see that there's like some, there's a lot of interconnectedness uh, around, and and interconnectivity is going to be a theme for for I believe the rest <laughs> of this podcast. I'm going to say yes. that right now because everything is circular. Everything in this game is connected. You just got to know how to read in between the lines to do so. And yeah. oh yeah, and then second question as to who I picked first, I picked Alberic. I don't know. I just, uh. I, I have a thing for strong, dumb warriors. <laughs> <laughs> so that's interesting to note the sense of this character seems like the most integral and then just picking a character that, that is kind of the one that speaks to you on whatever level. Uh, Corey, what about you? So I'm actually going to go with the same answer for both of these. Uh, in fact, um, I would say the intended protagonist and the character I chose first are both going to be Alfin. Um, Alfin is a very straightforward character. Alfin is a, he's an apothecary, like a pharmacist, and he wants to help people. And that's, that's the whole of it. And like, there's something noble about that. In a world where most of the RPGs we get are these deep, complex, you know, kind of shonen sort of stories where our heroes have dark and complicated motivations. Alfin is just like, yeah, I'm a pharmacist. I want to give people medicine because I don't like seeing anybody sick. And that's it. <laughs> it's yeah. very simple. Got to love yeah. it. Pure, pure souls. Yeah. Pure souls. And that's yes. great to me. Like, that is, that is wonderful. Yeah. Like, the, a character yeah. whose only motivation is I want to help people is a great character for several reasons. First off is that, you know, this is a whole new world to you. Like, you've not seen that World of Black Pet Traveler before. Alfin's going to show it to you. And he's going to show it to you in the best possible light. You know, you pick Primrose, she's angry. Like, she wants to get revenge and kill some people. And maybe her take on the world's not going to be so bright. But Alfin's like, yeah, everywhere I go, this place is cool. I'm going to show you why it's cool. Um, other thing is that Alfin is a great support character. Like, Alfin is a character you want on every team. Like, from a gameplay perspective, Alfin is probably the best character in the game. I'm uh, going to ride or die on that one. <laughs> hey you're not you're not wrong on that you're not wrong uh, on i mean yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i and i definitely want to talk about this individual strengths of the story yeah that's the thing well. too is that yeah. in octopath like we, we we can't really divorce the characters from their perspective in terms of gameplay mm-hmm. yeah. so 
when we talk about Alfin or say, um, you know, I would say between the two of them, Alfin and Ophelia are probably your uh, your protagonist characters. Hmm. And they're also the characters you want on every team. Like you want Alfin or Ophelia on every team. And there's a reason for that. Right. Yeah. Those sweet heels. Exactly. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, so interesting observation, my friends. I, I also think that Ophelia is the intended main character uh, for Octopath Traveler. Looking at it now, I can see the way that the game uh, lays the characters out on a horizontal stage and they have these individual banners. I just can't recall where in the game this image displays. But I believe it shows you your progress as you're working through uh, each of their stories. But if you look at it, the order for the acronym Octopath, uh, or is it an anagram? I don't know. Words are hard. Uh, it starts with Ophelia. And to echo what Ryan was saying, I think that Ophelia's story, and I think to an extent Primrose's as well, but I think Ophelia's story is really integral to the conclusion of Octopath Traveler with its final super boss. I really think that that is the most lore heavy, particularly, I mean, especially compared to like Hanit's or Tressa's story, which, which don't seem to have much uh, lore weight to them as far as the, the entire overarching direction of the, the plot of Octopath Traveler. Um, so that kind of carry covers uh, favorite characters and stories a little bit, but Carrie 86 on Twitter asked, do we have a favorite location? Do either of you have a favorite location? I think mine was definitely, uh, I think it was called flames grace, which is Ophelia's starting town. There's Ooh, a kind a of choice. majesty. Oh yeah. It's beautiful. There's a majesty to the, uh, the snow and the, the, the chilly blues next to those tall cathedral Gothic buildings. You know, it's funny. I was going to go the same direction. Like out of all the characters, I would say that hers is probably the most memorable starting location. Memorable. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely go see that. Um, it certainly seems the most fantastic. Well, I don't want to say most cause I don't remember them all, but it seems largely fantastic. And then the sense of like, you don't, typically see these majestic, you know, cathedrals out in, you know, blizzard weather um, all the time. Right. As, and her, her I, whole plot is like being an avatar of the divine flame. So starting her off in a very cold, like wintry location makes a lot of sense. It certainly does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what about you, Coffee? Um, for me... I would have to be really honest. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a beach guy, so I've been I've really gravitated <laughs> towards towards Ripple Tide. I don't know. There's just something so there's something so magical about sitting about living by by the coast. You know, it's you have the, you have the sound of the waves coming through. You have like the simple but but you know simple but elegant housing right by the sea. It's just there's 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 something's just so comforting about that. Um, and then to, to add to that, though, like the, the second I, I'm, I'm going to cheat here and say there's two because there's like <laughs> there are two locations. Um, the first, yeah, it was Ripple Tide. The second is um, Alfred's starting location. Mm. And I'm trying to Very find peaceful. what that is. It's yeah, the Riverlands. Uh, I think it was Riverford or. That sounds about right. Saints. No, no, sorry. Clearbrook. Clearbrook. 
just again, like it's, it's idyllic, it's happy. It's, you know, it, it just invokes a feeling of warmth and good and positive when you go in there. Like, you're like Alfred lives in a forest. Come on, there's no reason why there's there's, there's probably no reason why he's not a negative person in that in that regard. Like <laughs> being surrounded by nature like that and by like the brooks and the rivers and the forests and the trees and stuff like that, it, you, you just kind of absorb that positive energy. And I, that I feel like I feel like that that would be a really really nice place to be. Yeah, I can confirm after having lived uh, in basically Primrose's area in the desert and having moved to the forest now, it is way more uh, peaceful to the mind. And Ripple Tide, though, I mean, the, the ocean effects on this game, the water animation, the light on the water. Uh, think about light in like romanticism uh, as an art movement, light being what is quintessential beauty. Uh, the lighting in Octopath Traveler is just phenomenal. And I think you can really see that uh, with the, the, just the scintillating patterns of light on the water. Gorgeous stuff. Uh, connectivity is something that we brought up earlier. Question here from Mathman1024, who said, Octopath Traveler was probably my game of the year when it released. I spent close to 100 hours on it and couldn't put it down. Love the pixel art, HD2D, and the music. I would have preferred to have a more cohesive story amongst the protagonists. But what are you going to do? Kind of a rhetorical <laughs> question. Oops, platforming says, though, how did you feel about the stories not intertwining until the end game? I personally really liked it. Everyone had their own story and got the spotlight on them. Uh, now, I remember when this game released, there was actually legit misinformation being passed around. Um you especially at launch, you need to take reviews with a grain of salt. Some of these people might not have finished the game yet, uh, especially if it's so early on, uh, depending on your source, you know, you might have sources that you trust more than others, but there was a lot of reviews. Uh, there were a lot of reviews going around saying that there was zero connectivity between all of the eight stories. And that's simply not true. So if you have not been updated from that information from launch, the stories do have some connective tissue, but they're not in what you'd expect from a JRPG where it's a bunch of characters that come together uh, to, you know, defeat this great evil and they kind of progress in their character arcs together. Um, they are really eight separate stories, eight vignettes that tell their own story. And then the characters collectively come together to fight this evil uh, Galdera. I believe it was. Yes. Galdera. Um, That's the one. Yeah. At the end um, that connects them all together. That's been hinted at previously before all of this. So that does exist folks. If you're looking to play Octopath Traveler and you're like, ah, I heard they're not connected. That does exist, but it's at the end of the game. It's very much backloaded. Uh, can I actually pose a question before we keep going? Please do. Ooh, okay. So um, in terms of going back to characters, um, which of the eight do you identify with the most? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Uh, Cor well, you know what? I'm going to dodge the question because I'm the host. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Corey, Corey, did you identify with any of these characters more than an another? So one of the things I liked a lot about Octopath Traveler 
is that the characters aren't really something you necessarily have to identify with. I like that they are all kind of archetypes. You've got your mm. strong, brave warrior who wants to defend people. You've got your cleric who tries to heal the public and, you know, fix things that are out of her hands. You've got your apothecary who wants to bring, you know, joy and life to faraway lands. Um, I think these are characters you don't necessarily have to identify with to enjoy. Um, but if I were to pick one, I'd probably say trust it because I want the money. Pay me. <laughs> <laughs> I was unexpected for you. I was not expecting that answer. Pay <laughs> me. <laughs> I think we've all been Tressa at some point in our lives. Yep. Sure. Very yeah. true. Um, well, so once I beat this game, and this will lead into answering your question, Coffee, I swear. <laughs> uh, once I beat this game, I try to think, okay, because you have really compact stories here. Like, they're four chapter stories each. They're very brief. You're only getting a glimpse into these people's lives. What are those stories about, and what are they meant to convey? What I walked away with is Ophelia's story is about substitution, like taking the place of somebody else. Uh, Cyrus is the pursuit of knowledge. Tressa, wanderlust, uh, redemption for Ulbrich, vengeance for Primrose. Uh, Alphans was about charity, and charity meaning that aspect of love, a lover of humanity. Uh, trust is what Therion's was about, learning to trust again. And then Hanit's was really one that I struggled with most, like what was hers about? And I realized that, and I think this is where the kind of the dog or wolf motif comes from. Uh, I think she, her story was really about loyalty, loyalty to, I believe it was her, her former master um, or father figure that needed her help in that. But as far as which one I res that uh, was the resonated with the most, probably Therion. I think learning to trust people again after you've been crossed by people in certain ways is uh, is certainly relatable to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, definitely more relatable to me than like pure charity, for like Alvin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that is a that is absolutely a virtue. Um, but trust, I think, is earned and learned. So, coffee. What about yourself? <laughs> Funny you mentioned Alfin, because um, thinking about it now, I feel like I really, I really and truly do identify so well with him. <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I'm leading into the whole pure soul um, arch archetype here, but really, his 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 story is very inspiring, and I'm, it's like near the end where his faith has been shattered, where mm -hmm. you know everything that he's learned about himself and, and the world, it's like, it's just come to a complete and abrupt stop. And he's like, Whoa, wait, this is not exactly, this is not how I expected it to be. But then for him to get the strength to pick himself up and just keep going uh, on that, la on his final chapter there, that's, it's, it's strength that I envy mm. because sometimes I know for me, it can be hard to, to pick myself up again, even though I know I eventually will. It's just, Having that strength to do that, that's it's it's an admirable quality. And that's something that helps me to relate with him very, very well. Nice. So I think that leads nicely into uh, something that I wanted to bring up, the idea of passive versus active characters. Y'all writers, you know what that means. <laughs> uh, but the, the idea that things happen to characters as the plot goes along, the plot drives the characters or the characters drive the plot. I think that when you look at the characters of Octopath Traveler, and this is exciting to me, honestly, because 
I find I I feel like so many times when we talk mage cast episodes, we talk about context, we talk about intrinsic qualities. Mm-hmm. And very rarely do we get to sit and camp on story and break down characters. So this is this is getting my fingertips tingly uh right here. But the idea of not all these characters being equal. I often get that um was it the road to El Dorado? Uh, gif both why not both you can't do both for <laughs> octopath traveler because there's eight of them there's not two of them and i don't think that all of these characters were created equal uh which of the characters then do you think have some of the strongest stories i think we touched on ophelia earlier mm-hmm. and which do you ha- do you think have some of the weaker stories in this game um probably ophelia um Ophelia's story was just real, just real encouraging. Like you got a real sense of like the religion of the area, um, and that ties into the whole world at large. Like because she can go anywhere and discuss with people how they feel about religion and you know where their lives should go, and she can encourage them. And uh, combined with her kind of substitution as a person of the faith, yeah, no, nah, that was great to me. Um, what about weakest? Of, yeah. In terms of weakest, Ulrich was a dude who liked to hit stuff. Um, <laughs> hey i have which, words about that <laughs> which you, well, know, you I, said I'm, it coffee i mean you you were like a dumb warrior guy right that's the, your words well, right yeah, that's true it's true which, you know, nothing <laughs> nothing wrong with a dude likes to hit stuff but we have this big fantastic new setting and i couldn't see myself playing as just the dude who wants to hit stuff <laughs> <laughs> interesting interesting yep uh coffee then now your chance for a rebuttal all right rebuttal, I, rebuttal. I don't know if you'll say that Ulbricks is one among the strongest in the game but... i mean it, it it that's true i mean his story is of of redemption and i i have to say it it, it gets kind of weak right at the end like it starts off really uh-huh. it starts off really really strong he you know he starts off mm-hmm. as this kind of isolated warrior living in the highlands and then gets dragged back into his previous life as a knight's reta- as a king's retainer, when um, this guy who randomly kidnaps one of the kids in the village mentions the, the name of his um, former partner, and that kind of sets him off on the path and be like, okay, this guy's alive for sure. I gotta find out where he is, and I gotta either gotta talk to him or I gotta kill him. One of the two. And it was it was the part in the, th- in the third chapter where like I remember I got I had like tingles in my spine where the prompt comes <laughs> up that okay are you gonna challenge this dude and I'm just like yeah heck yes we're gonna challenge this dude this is gonna be this is gonna be insane right and then once that once that whole thing is resolved and he gets pushed off towards uh, the chapter four location where it's just it just kind of turns into generic bad guy who won who only invaded the kingdom in relation to plot that encompasses all the eight characters, like the, the end game boss. Right. And after that, mm-hmm. it's just like, okay, that's, that's it. I kind of expected a little bit more. So in that case, yes, his story is, does get really weak at the end, but like 75% of the way there, it was really good. It was compelling. <laughs> I had, I felt very compelled. Right. But if compelling I want compelling is a great term to use, I think for these characters. Yes. Absolutely, but if I had to pick a character that had a really, really good story, again, Ophelia is is a great choice for for that. And, and again, I have to come. I have to come back to Ophelia probably being the intended uh, protagonist of this game. Very, very true. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, what about weakest? 
Of oh, the weakest? Oh man. Or among the weakest. It doesn't have to be like definitively. Okay, weakest. well, among the weakest, I think Tressa's. I mean, I, yeah. I liked I liked her water. I liked the fact that she was just like a waterless who just wanted to make money. But mm. I couldn't I couldn't see where her kind of story fit overall in, in in within the other seven. You know? It's just yeah. it just feels like she was just there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, that is also my answer for weakest. And I think that, you know, I brought up passive characters earlier. I think that her arc and really her four chapters are like almost entirely passive. Mm -hmm. It's like suddenly behind her, an NPC said something and the NPC is driving the plot or a circumstance or a coincidence. Yeah. She's not driving her own story. Right. She now she. Yeah, like she physically has to walk from location to location, which is something a character can do, but it doesn't feel like she had a very particularly character driven story. And then even beyond that, like the, just the simple thing of like, oh, I need to find my own true treasure and it ends up being her notebook is kind of just cutesy, I guess. Yeah. And not necessarily anything wrong with cutesy, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Like when you have these other seven characters, with their own like more in-depth plots. Yeah. Right. And I don't mean cutesy because you're right. There's nothing wrong with cutesy. I love me a Kirby game any day. Mm -hmm. But I think that when you're stacking up against very like heavy themes, moral conflicts, internal, you know, conflicts as well that are happening in other characters, Tressa's just seems to really be there, not really doing much. Um, another that I thought that was pretty weak also was Hanitz. I don't really recall much character development for her i don't really call her having to learn much i just recall her having a mission and she completes it that's right and then yeah. that's it that's um, which is a shame because she's an interesting character oh yeah for sure but just the the way that the plot kind of drives her to her end goal yeah. rather than her just driving herself towards it it it, it kind of throws everything off yeah, how to write good characters? Do not write passive characters. There you uh, go. Uh, yeah, but but she's got this crazy like old English speak. That's fine, right? <laughs> I hated it. I did. I did. Uh, I remember complaining about it, and and our own coffee Ryan was like, "Oh man, I love that stuff." I do. Uh, I I, I, found, has... I found it very very endearing. <laughs> it's not even old English. It's not even like Middle English though. Like I don't know where it came from. It's just so weird. It's it's a like unique what it, dialect. I'll, I'll it is. That. Yeah, it's some weird version of like Middle English. Um, like she would put en after weird words and be like, "What the? What are you trying to say?" It just threw me off. I know I'm not what you're speaking of. <laughs> she, she's yeah, basically speaking. just cayenne from FF6, right? Oh yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It's cayenne pepper. Yeah, uh, isn't it cyan like the color? <laughs> I always I said it was cayenne like like the pepper. Oh, that's amazing. That's just great. I just, <laughs> uh, you know what? Like frog from uh, from Chrono Trigger. No, no, like he's frog from Chrono Trigger. Frog. frog. He stands out. <laughs> he stands out as the only one in that era who speaks like that. But uh, it's a little more like legit sounding than uh, than Hanitz reads, at least to my mind. Right. But as far as strength of character, I think Therion's is very character driven. Sure. He's actually going and solving these things. I think that Primrose's might be the most character driven. Uh, it comes from a very deep uh, personal place in her life and then definitely very heavy 
themes in her story as well, possibly the darkest story. The shame with Primrose's story is it just ends with what we already always know anyway, and that revenge just leaves you hollow. And at the end, she has a revenge, and then she's like, well, I guess that's it. And then it ends. And so you're kind of left with a slight feeling of satisfaction with Primrose, I think. Mm-hmm. A character we did not talk about yet, Cyrus. Do we have any special, like, particular feelings with Cyrus? Yeah. You know, he's interesting in the sense, like, from a, from a gameplay perspective, he is your AoE character. He does a lot of damage to... Uh, a lot of targets at once. And oddly, this is not the game where you need that, mostly. Yeah. It, it's great that you have a character that can do a lot of damage to a lot of enemies at once. Uh, Cyrus is not super useful, though. Mm-hmm. Um, enemies tend to come in mixed packs where you need different weaknesses for each enemy. And generally speaking, I would clear out enemies one at a time. Attacking their weaknesses one, uh, one at a time and so on and so forth with other characters. Uh, Cyrus's ability to hit a lot of enemies at once with the same element not super useful to me. So I didn't use them much. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to focus on breaking enemy characters, which is like, yeah, it doesn't seem that great. Exactly. Kind of the focus of the game is to, uh, break enemy characters by hitting their weaknesses. Uh, Cyrus could break one enemy character. Maybe he, maybe he would hit resistances. Maybe he would, uh, not attack all the weaknesses at once. Yeah. No, I just wasn't a fan of his. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts on Cyrus, Ryan? For me, I mean, I actually use Cyrus quite a lot. Um, uh-huh. the, the thing is that for utilizing him, and I'm, I'm, this might be a bit of a rebuttal here to Corey, but <laughs> <laughs> for me, I, 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 use, I, I have used a lot of his AoE attacks as kind of a supplement to, to for like the supplement damage after so most of my other characters have broken enemies. So like say if there was a dude who had... If there was like a pack of monsters that had like multiple weaknesses, I probably like how I approached it was is that I took out the phys- I took up their physical weaknesses first, and then I just used Cyrus to just lay waste everything <laughs> after the fact. Because um, uh. yeah, if you if you can break if you can focus on breaking everything everyone first, and then just flooding everything with damage afterwards, just battles just become so much quicker. At least that, that's mm. that's how I that's how I thought of it when. Like, that's how I strategized with it when I was playing the game. It seems like with eight characters, you're certainly open to developing your own strategies, your own approaches to solving battles. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting hearing from both of you. And I know you're both JRPG veterans. So, right. So what did you think? You know, it's a, uh, actually, I don't recall specifically which characters I used most. Mm. Um, I know I went for the balanced team layout. Um you, and this is kind of taking us into gameplay now, which is excellent. But, you know, different characters have different path actions, um, have different ways that they can interact with NPCs, but that doubles up, right? So right. you've got the eight characters, but there's only four path actions, if I remember correctly. So there and are eight like characters, but... Um, system. Yeah, eight characters, but several of the path actions are kind of like doubled up, I think is the point. Like, yeah. um, for instance, Therion could steal items from enemies, from not enemies, NPCs, but it was a percentage-based chance. And if you messed up, you'd have to pay for it. Um, whereas Tressa could buy those same items, and there was no chance of failure, but you're also paying for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's, yeah, definitely a distinction there. There's a duality uh, between Hanit? the two, actually. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, there's you go. Duality. Um Ooh. Hanit and Ulbrich uh were essentially the same, right? Yeah, uh, Hanit could uh, they could actually both attack uh enemy and NP- well not and again, not enemies, that's the funniest part of it. <laughs> um they could both attack NPCs to get the job done. Uh Ulbrich would fight on his own, Hanit would summon uh summon whatever monster she had captured. Right, right, right. Uh and then Primrose and Ophelia, uh, Primrose would sort of hypnotize. Uh, yeah, she would. And, uh, <laughs> she would kind of, kind of seduce NPCs. That's the word. I yeah. can't remember the word. <laughs> so I had to do you're a pun. So, I you're so pure, so kind. <laughs> you don't even know what seduction is. You remember Sedu- the word? <laughs> oh please, I don't know what seduction is. Uh, and then Ophelia would kind of uh, call people to her assistance right yeah exactly it's, idea, it's kind yeah. of like uh, you know we're we're all part of the same religion let's work together to get this done uh promos just seduce people straight up um and it's cute how and uh, the last one of course is cyrus and alfin um mm-hmm. alfin is like hey let's just talk we're buddies right uh cyrus would try to deduce people's thoughts because he's a scholar yeah, he basically um, tried to Sherlock Holmes everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and in every case, like these, it's basically four different things you can do, but different ways of approaching it. Uh, do you steal the items with a chance of failing and becoming an outcast, or do you just buy them, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, and I feel like that plays into some of the morality system in place as well. Um, I remember that you could get a bad reputation in town, which I thought was really interesting uh, to inject in a game that doesn't feel overly large. I think it still takes a while to get through. Um, I will say there's a lot to be said for uh, the breaking aspect of things where you were encouraged to find enemy weaknesses and like kind of attack them intentionally. Uh-huh. Um, this encouraged both a varied cast of characters and also the use of attack based items which um outside of the bravely default series which the game is kind of a part of i don't really tend to see often in rpgs you know you have a point yeah. there um yeah. a lot of i mean i can go back from back when i was playing final fantasy 7 with my first second rpg first being dragon quest the or dragon warrior as it called for for the nes but even going back as far as that it's like you never really use too many battle items or uh, like items to to attack enemies with like you already have you have strong attacks and you already have strong magic like what more can you what more do you need but with octopath right you know exactly like what you said with octopath like there's there's the the battle items actually have a use which is which is really cool Right, because when you break an enemy, they're easier to steal from, easier to convert uh, to convert to your side. Um, the whole of the battle system is about breaking enemies by hitting their weaknesses, and anything you do that makes you able to do that, like even Alfin, Alfin has the ability to uh, to make attack items, and they're terrible. They hit for like one damage. They are completely just they're, they're garbage. But um, <laughs> the fact that they hit a weakness is important, though, and that's really cool. Right. Definitely. That can help with breaking. Um, did you find this game particularly difficult uh, at all? Winstolf, poor guy here, asked, why can't I beat the first boss playing as the healer lady? Oh, poor guy. <laughs> and he had dropped a, a couple of suggestions that uh, they couldn't get very far in this. 
was this one? I, I mean, again, you both play a lot of JRPGs. Was this one that seemed particularly difficult? You know, um, I didn't really think so. I think, um, I, I don't want to like make Winstall feel bad, but I feel like in a game like this where, <laughs> where the focus is on determining enemy weaknesses and then like exploiting them. Um, if you've ever played like a Shin Megami Tensei game, it's the same idea. Um, find the weakness, exploit the weakness, win the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I told the poor guy I'm not a walkthrough, so I can't. I can't help him. <laughs> not a warrior. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, so, Winsolf, best of luck to you. Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, the world needs you. Uh, I did think it was particularly difficult towards the end of the game, though. Um, you start to get into those advanced shrines uh, for advanced jobs. And, yeah, those some of those optional bosses right uh, right a little tough and like part of the point of the game is like at first the game doesn't know what you have if you play as the healer lady at first you will rapidly find the enemies are weak to light damage that's what she can do and Mm -hmm. you'll also find they're weak to the characters that are nearest to her um i think that's tressa and maybe somebody else um cyrus and hannah cyrus and hannah yeah so enemies tend to be weak to elemental damage because Cyrus can do it and Hannah can capture enemies and use them to do elemental damage. And Ophelia herself can do light damage. So not a lot of physical weaknesses, lots of elemental weaknesses. If you focus on elemental damage, you'll do fine. Um, but as you get further into the game, the game can expect that you'll have everything because you will. Yeah, I, I think the game fairly scales towards whichever character you pick first. Otherwise, it would be kind of just way unbalanced depending sure. on who you picked. Yeah, right. Definitely. How about the super boss at, at the end of the game? Did, did either of you beat that one? Galdair? No, I haven't reached her yet. I was so embarrassed what? to say it. <laughs> Dang I, it. I keep, I keep saying, Coffee. I, I keep saying, I keep saying, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. And it's like, and then every time I get around to it, it's like, oh, something else comes up. It's like, oh, a new game here, a new Sonic game here. Mm, I'll play that first. And I, then, yeah. and to your credit, though, out. I mean, it's it takes a while to get there. Mm-hmm. It certainly does. Um, I mean, especially if you didn't know it was there, I don't know that you can accidentally trigger it. But yeah. it's a it's not an easy fight either. And part of the thing with this is, uh, again. At this point, the game is not... You know, it's taking the kid gloves off. It's like, yeah, you have everything. In fact, we've given you the super advanced jobs. You should know what you're doing, and we're going to expect that. Um, right. And, and so becoming, they give the final boss like 2 billion Kind of like a final like, exam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. It's like a, a final exam is a, good, is a good way of looking at it. Yeah. You know everything. Here is your final test. Enjoy. Yeah, looking at it, uh, his first phase has half a million HP. Holy shit. You know, again, I, 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 I just beat Yasmot in FF12. I'm going to mention it in every podcast I'm on from now on because I did it. But <laughs> <laughs> so, well, that one, the game plays itself, so come on. Yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, so in this case, like, I'm not really bothered by the fact that the game is finally like, hey, you have everything we can possibly give you show us that you can use it. That's fine to me. I mean, that makes sense. And I guess if most of the game has been played through, uh, this doesn't really feel like a final boss. It feels like a super boss, like a post game boss. You've already tidied up the stories. I feel like this is really optional. 
at that point. But another thing that perhaps presents itself as difficulty for some people in certain situations, as we're about to see, is grinding. Uh, this seems to be, like I mentioned previously, uh, a very common consensus regarding Octopath Traveler. And I picked out two comments. Uh, the first one from Vesper Vidya on Twitter, who said, I like the game, but it felt a bit grind heavy with the inactive party members not being rewarded experience. So I got bored around chapter two. Also, I don't understand all the comparisons to Saga Frontier. That's another can of worms. Uh, <laughs> Sunny Slim said, played through to chapter three of each character and put it down. I don't know. It just wasn't gripping me. And I felt like I had to grind to keep levels up. Now, two things stand out from those twin comments. Definitely the grinding that we'll get into. Um, a sense of laborious. And I mean, like, what is the grind? Like the daily grind, right? Is games as work. Mm -hmm. um, but another thing mentioned here, it seems to be that there were people who played through each of the chapters of the characters that they gathered before moving on to the next chapters of those characters. So they played through all of chapter one for all the characters, then all of chapter two, all the chapter twos for all the characters, then three and then four, rather than finishing each story one by one. It seems to me that that would definitely contribute to being bored because you're essentially reading eight different stories simultaneously, like one after another, but then just taking each kind of part one after the other. Is that how you folks played the game? I, I played it by trying as, as my darndest to finish as much of each character's story as I could before moving on to the next one, if I remember correctly. Um, I actually, okay, I, I'm actually one of those guys who, who went and did all the chapter ones and all the chapter twos and then all the chapter threes and so on. And For so all eight characters. All eight characters, yeah, each one of wow. them. I did, I, did, I did that grind. And I, I don't know, to me, I found that I found that enjoyable for some reason. I mean, the fact that you could remember what happened in the first story once you finished the eighth story is pretty remarkable. Honestly. Well, and, and the neat thing about it is, is that there's a journal function in in the in the main menu, uh, see, right? That you can that. go back and you can kind of review. Uh, you can kind of go back and review stories. So if you're in the middle of something and you forgot, okay, what happened in Alf, what happened in Alfred's chapter in chapter one, you can look back in the journal. And I think I could be wrong, but I think it also plays out cutscenes as well too. So then you can kind of watch what's happened and be like, oh, okay, so that's how that's what happened. That's why this is related to what I'm doing now. So, so yeah. it, it I mean, bless helpful. you if that worked for you. That's oh, that's fantastic. fantastic. I loved it <laughs> because because I mean, to me that would just it seems like again I didn't try it that way, but it seems like to me that would destroy pacing, and therefore I wouldn't be invested in the stories. But if you did work for you, that's cool. I'm interested know, to hear. I, I don't know. I actually approach this more like an episodic like format to me. It's like in my mind it like played like each chapter played like like an episode related to a like related of to eight a, different TV shows. Eight different TV shows. Yeah, that's <laughs> See, that's crazy. how I was thinking, right? Like eight different TV shows, but you watch one episode from The Flash, then one episode from The Arrow, then one episode from Stargirl, then one episode and on and on and on until you come back to The Flash. I I could not imagine <laughs> trying to keep track of each. I don't know how you did it. I mean, you're a miracle man. That's that's the, <laughs> that's the only answer. And the journal exists. <laughs> yes, and the journal exists. <laughs> uh, Corey, what about you? So 
it's funny. I'm looking at our, our episode notes here, and I see a whole page about grinding. And <laughs> I think to myself, this wasn't a grinding game for me. Um, you have eight characters. And uh, the eight characters are different things. Uh, Tressa, the merchant, she's good at spears and wind magic. Uh, Therion, the thief, is good at knives and fire magic. Uh, Alphen, the alchemist apothecary, is good at axes and ice magic. Um, for any given set of enemies that you want to fight, you have a character that can deal with them. Um, the fact that they might take a bit longer to grind up isn't really an issue if you use them on the enemies that they're good at dealing with. Uh, this was not a grinding game for me, in other words. So, that so aspect, there was not a point in this game when you had to stop and grind? Um, I will say I dealt with it like I dealt with any old school RPG. If you never okay. use the run command, you are going to be fine. My man. Yeah. Hands, 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 uh, <laughs> virtual yeah. high five right there because I did the same. <laughs> if, you, if you never run from fights, you are going to be okay. Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But as uh, looking through like the later notes on grinding, uh, you know, at one point I believe Mom found says, "If you give me a good, give me a good podcast until I enjoy the grind." Um, if you have to grind, yeah, that to me that's fine. Um, it, it's not a big deal if you're listening to something, if you're listening to YouTube or a podcast or whatever, or uh, say your favorite podcast. Magecast. Oh, shameless plug. <laughs> shameless yeah. plug for somebody else's podcast. <laughs> uh, then to me, if you have to, if you have to drop like half an hour, even a whole hour, on getting up to fight a boss, which this game doesn't really need that, but if it did, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now that's spoken like a JRPG guy, right there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, and again, coming I, from coming from FF12, where I beat it, Yasmat. <laughs> and um, like, what? How long did that take? Like three hours? It was hours? about an hour long. Yeah, that's I had four, like, t- four times speed. Yeah. I bet. That one fight was about an hour long. Yes. Yeah, and that was with fast forward feature on. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's I still have to do that fight. Actually, come to think of it, it's it takes a while. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a long one. I did it on the uh, PS2 version and. I just left it on and went and ate lunch and then came back and went and ate lunch again because that was a long fight. Uh, Specificity, though, when it comes to grinding. So I think that there is a variety of factors. There is your own personal, let's say, appreciation for grinding. There's your own personal taste for it. So you pointed out mom found, which is interesting. That's actually my take as well that I jotted down to my own in response to my own tweet. Right. Uh, which is that I like just putting on music and, you know, listening to a podcast or uh, putting a movie on in the background and just kind of grinding, especially if it's a, if it's a very simple game. Um, if it's something like I've got to read dialogue on like 20 fetch quests um, and navigate all these areas and do all these complex things maybe not so much but having grown up playing a lot of the old school uh rpgs especially jrpgs when the grind's there i just put my nose to the grindstone is that the phrase i think it is and just put music on um but if it's not to your taste that's a different story and i think that there's some interesting uh variety and specificity that's pointed out here in some of these 
for example, Infernal, uh, one of your <laughs> somebody with the same sort of thematic naming there mm. as Corey. Infernal Ramble says depends on the purpose <laughs> I of see. the grinding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. look at I'm looking at this comment now. He says, uh, or he, she, whatever, uh, says, depends on the purpose of the grinding. If it's just to increase numbers to be able to beat a boss, something that's boring. But if it's to acquire new abilities or death building, I'm all for it. And they give the example of the Cursed Shield, the Spellering, and FF6, for example. Um, FF6, funny story about that. Um, I've been playing with my friend through the majority of the Final Fantasy games. And when we got the FF6, we found that... Uh, if you are grinding and you're using the correct espers, which is to say anything with strength or magic power, especially magic power on it, uh, you'll crush the game like it's nothing. Breakable. Um, yeah, yeah, FF6 is a very not grindy sort of game, in fact, if you play it right. Um, if you yeah, if you know what the systems are and you and you break them exactly, that's, that's true. That's of true. Like Very true. FF FF eight, right? Super breakable. <laughs> oh, yeah, man, it, you know it's so broken. Doing. I love it. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. In, in fact, six, seven, and eight. I mean, seven has this goofy trick you can do where you can infinitely clone items forever. The W um, item trick. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you know what you're doing, like most RPGs are pretty straightforward, and Octopath is definitely one of those. Um, but I would even go so far as to say that Octopath is like, if you are paying attention, if you are watching what the enemies are weak to, um, again, I will repeat myself, you don't ever have to grind an Octopath Traveler. Except for maybe, maybe the final boss. Maybe. I'm going to say definitely. The yeah, definitely, the, definitely the super boss. <laughs> I mean, I, I just don't have Corey's skills, I guess. But that that there were a couple times in Octopath uh, where I feel like I did have to stop and just get a few extra levels. But here's a nice thing that I don't think anybody has specifically pointed out with grinding is that grinding the ability to just gain extra experience for your skill level to pad the difficulty a little bit is a nice option. It's, it's, it's delightful that a game gives you the ability to have that agency to say, you know what, I feel like I'm going to need an extra level or two. Yeah, because there's a big conversation right now about, you know, easy modes in games. Are games too hard? Do we have the time to get better at games? Um, I'm going to go with uh, what I saw somebody in our Discord chat say once. If, if it doesn't have a difficulty level, you're playing on easy. It's, or on hard. No, you're playing on easy. <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that one. <laughs> it's essentially the same. Are you playing on normal? Yeah, I, I get the sentiment, though, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, but it's it's essentially a trade-off of time. Not everybody has the time to grind, and I understand that's probably where some of the uh, the the bad blood with grinding comes from, um, that it can be disrespectful of one's time in that regard. But I think that there's more uh, things that it were pointed out here as far as specific instances. Again, when I posed this question in our Discord, Corey, you, you said it depends. And I think that it depends on so many different factors, as we'll see here. Eric Berg on Twitter said, I think it depends. Sometimes the grind can be fun, especially if it helps take care of side quests or fills out in-game compendiums. Playing through Legends Arceus right now, there's a grind to fill out some of the Pokedex entries, but it doesn't feel like a grind at all. I was just playing that today, and I thought that was really interesting and in that you kind of have to catch Pokemon multiple times. Uh, Boston here says, I love grinding if the combat system is fun. So again, that's the dependency there. 
Modern conveniences like two times or three times combat traversal speed has made grinding much more enjoyable a la Final Fantasy XII in more recent RPGs. Uh, bad combat systems with forced grinds are the worst. So again, it depends on the game, depends on the combat system. Like a lot, uh, a an lot enjoyable of it comes down combat system a, goes a long way. Yeah, like a, a lot of it comes down to your own personal taste. Like if you don't want mm-hmm. to like struggle against a given boss, there's a real easy way to get past it, and it's to grind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm not enjoying my time in a game, the game asking me to spend more time in it is disgusting. Mm-hmm. But if I'm enjoying my time in that game, then the game being like, Hey, you want to grind and be like, heck yeah, I do. That sounds fantastic. And that's the enjoyable grind as well. Right. Go ahead. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I just want to add actually back to infernal rambles, um, comment here about, um, uh, grinding for new abilities and deck building. Um, we didn't get the touch on this, but there is a, there is a job system in Octopath Traveler. And yes. there's a lot of really good passive abilities that you can get for, for most of the characters. Um, let me see if I can find one in specifics that, uh, that was like really cool. But what's, what's, what's really interesting is that like you have all these different kind of jobs that are, are related to each character and in, in their job system here, you can like, you can, you can grind up you can grind up the AP necessary to gain like all these really crazy passive uh, abilities, which will definitely help against like some of the harder bosses in the game. So, if you want to make your grind a lot more easier, focus on getting the abilities to get focused on getting those passive abilities to help that grind go faster. Like I recall, there's one there was one job there was one job um, class that allows you to get like double experience for instance i think that's one of the later ones like one of the one of the yeah one of like star seer right? or something yeah like that's that. one yeah. i think that might be the one but yeah again um grinding for grinding for those abilities that it, the grinding towards a specific reward i think that's that's the uh, that's the that's the idea here if you grind towards a specific reward then like if you know what the reward is then you know it makes the grind easier if you're just grinding just for the sake of grinding then you know that's a different story but you know your mileage will vary. I mean, or you could be like me and just make everybody a dancer. Uh, <laughs> Olberic, the dancer, it sounds hilarious. That sounds about happened. right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, film objective was one that I wanted to echo here. Film objective on Twitter said, if the game is challenging enough and I have enough to do in it, I don't mind. I think grinding feels quote, like a grind or feeling like a grind is a symptom of me not liking the game for another reason. Yes. Yes. That's totally accurate. Um, During the golden age of MMORPGs, we would see a lot of games come out from Korea, especially where uh, the focus was just on grinding. Like it was leveling up for the sake of leveling up. Not necessarily that you get anything new, not that anything cool would happen that you wanted to get the max level just because the max level was there. And that kind of grinding, I don't know if I'm super into. Um, but Octopath, where, you know, you know, maybe I want to grind up my character's secondary jobs to, like, make them all really good at dancing, like myself. Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe I'd be fine with that. Or to defeat the, the final secret super boss. Yeah, that's fine to me. But um, if it were literally just like I cannot progress at all without grinding, that'd be a different story. But I never found that to be the case on Octopath. Yeah. 
I'm learning so much more about Corey's personal life tonight. About my dancing? Yeah. About yeah, I didn't know that you were like an exotic dancer. I am. I'm, I'm really good at it, actually. That's oh, fantastic. Yeah. Where's your YouTube channel? Uh, <laughs> I will tell you later. Okay. Sounds good. Put it in the chat. Uh, po- <laughs> yes. Poogie Boogie GMR said needs two out of three things. If the battle system is engaging enough, if there's a story based in context reason for grinding, it's it's just grinding for an end game boss. As long as the reward makes the grind worth it, I don't see any other excuse for such padding and wasting the player's time. The grind has to be enjoyable. I think that what we're hinting at here is enjoyable, is kind of like I mean, fun, subjective, boring, subjective. What does that mean for individual people? Um, might not you might not be able to come up with an actual sort of formula that decides that for everybody. It just really comes down to preference. Uh, Twilight Hero 75 said, and we got so many comments about grinding, I can't even mention them all, but these were some that I really enjoyed. Twilight Hero 75 on Twitter said, depends on the amount. I feel like every RPG has a point where you may need to grind a bit, but as long as it doesn't overstay its welcome, as long as an RPG doesn't have 25% plus of the game is grinding, I see a little problem with it. It's like we may be grinding without knowing we're grinding, maybe just kind of backtracking across an area. Again, that whole sentiment of not running from from fights. Um, but I was just thinking about this the other night. I was like, what is like base level too much grinding? And I don't think that there's a really good answer for that. Like, is it 15 minutes? Is it 30, an hour, two hours, three hours? Um, I think that each person's uh, endurance for grinding. I was going to say tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. That's a better word. Endurance, tolerance for grinding uh, varies dramatically. Right. So let's uh, let's pose that to you then, Red. Um, you've been playing Final Fantasy V Pixel Remaster lately, right? That's a pretty grindy kind of game. How do you feel about that? So I feel like the pixel remasters for the large part uh, have been balanced more towards ease rather than against. Um, there were a few times when I really felt like, geez, I'm getting wrecked just <laughs> just at this next boss or this next new area, um, which I think is harder on stream. It's almost like I can stomach grinding, but if I'm on stream playing a game, grinding is a little strange. Um, so I'm still trying to navigate that, but the one that was really bad was final fantasy three, uh, towards the end of the game. I was really just like, I'm like 10 levels under level. I feel like every single fight is just tearing face. So let me, uh, looking at here, uh, chrono Katie's comment is, uh, I'll never think I'll never not think mentor grinding is bad game design, but choosing to grind on your own. If you want to be extra strong, it's totally fine though. Um, so let's go ahead and take this back into the past. Um, if I bought a game as a kid in 1990-whatever, or even 2000-whatever, and I got done with it in 15 hours so I didn't have to grind, how would that make me feel? Ah, uh, I know what you're getting to. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting point. But to, to uh, take your, your, your plot of reasoning as we go along. How would that make you feel if you bought a, a brand new game and you beat it in only 15 hours or even there, let's say less than that. Right. And, and there you are people today. Disappointed. Yeah. There are people today who, you know, there's very, very vocal voices today who will say that we would rather have shorter games of higher quality. 
But that is a uniquely modern issue. Um, it didn't used to be the case that we had more games than we had time to play. Yeah, I'll give you a specific example. Actually, I can think of exactly what you're talking about. As a kid, put a lot of time into RPGs. Obviously, RPGs were shorter back then you, on the NES. The you Super like NES Breath of and Fire, and that's a very... Right, but I, it, I think there's also some variance here, too, in that the way that I play through games is actually much slower than the way some people play through games. So, like, I know you played through the Final Fantasy games recently, mm-hmm. and you just cruised through them. I was like, man, he's on seven already? What the? Yeah, yeah like, so I, we, fast. we got to seven, and, like, everything, like, again, like, the Final Fantasy games are interesting because they tend to have tricks. Like, one, if you pick a black belt, you're going to win. It's not even a question. You're going to win the game. Uh, two, <laughs> two, use the blood sword. Uh, three, don't <laughs> bother leveling your jobs because you get the stage and the ninja. They're better than everything you'd ever get. Ah, stupid uh, FF3. <laughs> uh, four, four is difficult. Don't play it. Uh, five. Oh, gosh. Four so good. Four, four so, so good. It is, difficult. Four. it is difficult. It is difficult. Five. Five is if you, uh, I'm not going to tell you because you're playing it right now. Oh, thank no, no, you. No, no, don't thank say you. anything. Don't say anything. But there are so many <laughs> good tricks in that game. There were there, there a ton of tricks in five. Uh, six. Six boils down to if you use the Esper leveling system at all, you're going to be way ahead of the curve straight up. I'm, I'm wondering if they maybe adjust that for the Pixel Remaster because that's not out yet as of this recording. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like Final Fantasy has a lot of that stuff. Meanwhile, contrast that with like Breath of Fire. Breath of Fire is straight up, if you did not grind for this boss, you are dead. Yeah, it feels very... Well, so, I mean, I think the Final Fantasy series relies heavily on gimmicks and innovative yes. ideas. Like, well, we're going to change up you know, your progression systems. Whereas Breath of Fire, especially 1 and 2, without the master system, uh, especially 1, uh, was just like, you're just going to have to get the sheer numbers on your side. Breath of Fire 1 especially. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you thought definitely. you killed this boss, but actually. <laughs> second breath. Second wind. Second wind. Second wind. Yeah. <laughs> yikes. Yikes, yikes, yikes. That hidden health bar. Yep. Um, so definitely. And there's, like I said, there's a specific example of what you're talking about. That it's interesting to say it's a uniquely modern idea of shorter games, higher quality. I think that does seem very modern. When I was a kid, uh, we would try to rent, try to get our parents to rent a game every weekend. Uh, at one weekend, hanging out at my friend's house, we got his mom to rent us a game from Blockbuster. And normally we gravitate towards RPGs, kind of take turns off on, over the weekends, over the week, whatever. And so we pick out a game called Knights of the Round. It was back then. There's no internet. You know, we didn't subscribe to any magazines or anything like that. You can get that at a library every once in a while. And so we just see, okay, Knights of the Round. It's got some knights on it. It must be an RPG. And imagine my horror when you take it home and it was a side-scrolling beat-em-up, which I loved and I still love. Right. But those games aren't long. No, That game not. did not last us more like, than that single day. That game is done in like an hour, right? If you play with friends. Right. Yeah, um, and that, that happened to me, too. Like it was it, it was a uniquely horrifying experience to have gotten a new game and to be done with it so quickly. And to me, yes. like, you know, I, I'll freely admit that I'm not doing anything new or special when I'm grinding in an RPG, but I'm still playing a new game. Like I'm expecting to see new things. Right now, here's where I think you were headed with this idea that in those days they would kind of pad games 
with artificial length, right? Yes. So we've all heard of like, you know, the arcade games were extra hard um, so that you would just have to spend that much more time with it because otherwise you take it home and beat Super Mario Brothers 1 in an hour yeah. rather than several months trying to, you know, get through the difficult stuff in that game uh, as a kid again. Unless you're like a child prodigy or something, <laughs> uh, you you know you you get Final Fantasy IV as a kid, and you know you can't just go online and look up how do I get past this. So you spend a long time in that game, and you really inhabit it. And I think that's where a lot of those strong memories come from. My God, the the, uh, the one for me when I was a kid was the Little Mermaid on NES. Uh, <laughs> the Little Mermaid on NES yeah. is about half an hour long. Okay, if you yeah. are not terrible at video games. And when you were a, a, a young child and you can rent one video game a weekend and you beat it in half an hour, uh, it, just, sucks, it leaves yeah. permanent scars on your psyche, you know? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So I get, I think that there's, again, there's a balance there. Um, it seems like mandatory grinding was used in many instances back in the day to pad the length of games. Uh, I think that some games did it better than other others. I don't know that all mandatory design or at all mandatory grinding is bad game design, but I can tell you Chrono Trigger doesn't have any mandatory uh, grinding, but <laughs> it does have some instances of very difficult challenges, which you might have to grind a little bit, but that is a smooth, so balanced experience. You're telling me that if you never fought any unnecessary enemies at all, you would have no trouble beating that dinosaur. You had to use lightning magic on. Define unnecessary enemies. Now, I mean, if mean? you if you went straight through the game, you never fought anything you didn't have to fight. You could beat that dinosaur. It'd be fine. If you're asking a first time player, that's sure. going to be very different than somebody who has played through the game like 20 times. And like that's me? that's, that's another consideration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like for me, I mean, any of these these RPGs that I've played through half a dozen times, I can just go straight through the game. And notably, but, notably, when you fight the final boss of Chrono Trigger, uh, spoiler alert for a game of 20 years old or so. Uh, <laughs> the 30, final, it's old. It's the old. final boss of Chrono Trigger is a boss rush, and you have an option to not bring somebody with lightning magic. Yeah. So when you yeah. fight that dinosaur, you might have trouble if you haven't grinded. Right, right, right. It, it's that extra level of, uh, I don't want to use padding. It's like armor, right? It's that extra level of armor just in case right. you can have those numbers on your side. Now, I know that Chrono Trigger has specifically been pointed out as an example of a balanced and smooth experience in which you don't, like so many games of that era, have to stop in front of the next story element to grind for 30 minutes to an hour to get through it. Right. That doesn't mean, though, that somebody who doesn't know what's coming or doesn't understand the basic systems, like we were talking about with the breakable Final Fantasies, if somebody doesn't understand those basic systems, like if they don't understand that the game is saying, Hey, you need lightning for this battle. Right. And they're going to fight it the hard way. They're making it harder on themselves. In that case, they're going to have to have the stats on their side. Otherwise it's not going to be a good time. Right. And does that necessarily, and does that make something a bad game? I would argue that it doesn't really. I mean, if Chrono Trigger, for instance, still completely fine. Even if you do have to reconsider certain fights, like, um, the thing that gets me at Chrono Trigger, there is one point at which the character Chrono, he has a move called Slash in English. The English translation is just called Slash. And what he does is he swings his sword, it produces a shockwave, it goes to the enemy, right? 
Yes. That's, that ability does magic damage. There are enemies at the point at which you have that ability that are only weak to magic damage. Only Slash, at that point, works on them because nobody else has magic. Um, and maybe, maybe you don't get that. Especially the early localization from the 90s didn't really understand how to explain that. Certainly they wouldn't have called it Slash in that case. Um, yeah. They would have called it like yeah, Shockwave or something. Some. I'm going to oh, raise right. my hand right now and be like, I never do that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Now, here's the thing, Corey, I, and I've told you this before. You're a systems guy. You're absolutely a systems guy. I never even remotely thought about that, but you're talking about the blue goose. Yeah, the, the, the blue goose right. in the future. Right, right, right. The, the reason yeah. you could only hurt them with Slash is because Slash is the only move you have that does magic damage. It is no, uh, Flame Toss, dude. Okay, I think dude, Flame Toss might You're blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking. getting deep into like Chrono Trigger stuff, right? Here. <laughs> Again, even even the fact that we called it Slash was a problem. Call it Shockwave. That's what it is. Yeah, I think oh, now boy. here. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I think that you only have a few abilities as options to try. On That's your true. At that, at that point, yeah, you don't have many options. Yeah. 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 So I don't really see that as a huge issue, but. Absolutely, localization is a hurdle for many games of that era. This and that's why you it. might think you have to grind more than you necessarily need to. Oh, that's a good Even point. though I don't know that grinding would help if you're dealing one damage to a very specific enemy. Again, especially if you're gonna try. I, I'm gonna be real. I haven't played Chrono. Have. I haven't played Chrono Trigger in forever. So Dude, if, it's if you're dealing that it. little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's time to do. If you're if you're dealing that little, the game's telling you don't hit it with a basic attack. You only have like two or three other special attacks. You're gonna try flame toss. You're gonna try uh, slash eventually. But yeah, again, Unless everybody, everybody listening, if you didn't know, the reason slash works is because it does magic damage. That's nuts. I mean, I didn't know that. You're the systems guy. All right, back to grindy. Back to grindy. Let me read a couple of these more here. Uh, Severing Faith said, I don't mind at all. Most of the time I even go so, so far as to really like, and I like this, training, grinding, or training. Training is a very positive way to think of it. It's even easier for me to go through while listening to music. Terranigma23 points out, younger, I was fine with grinding, but now I don't have the time anymore. If I need to grind, then I just put the game in easy mode. My goal is to play most, uh, to play more JRPGs, uh, what I really like is story, character, cities, world building. Uh, that's interesting, though, as an observation. I think that perhaps we had more tolerance. There's that word again mm -hmm. for grinding when we were younger than now. We've got a lot of games to play. You know, if a game wants us to sit and just do the same thing over and over again, uh, that might sting a little more than it did back in the day. Uh, a couple more here. Joypad Lad Shop says, as long as the reward makes the grind worth it, rewarding the player. A good man said, a good man. <laughs> that's a, that's the Twitter thing. <laughs> that's his name? Person. Just a Just good like, man? A good yeah, man. I don't know that's... this person. Like, personally, I can't vouch for their integrity, but there it is. Uh, said, it seems as though there needs to be a fine progress where you feel rewarded for both what you achieve as well as putting in the work itself. If I feel like Sisyphus rolling a boulder uphill and making minuscule progress while continually getting slapped back, I'm out. So I want to pick uh, something out based on this. Yes. What is the last game you guys have played that have felt like that? Final Fantasy 3 Pixel Remastered. Gotcha. Absolutely. That's an easy one for you. 
Yeah. Coffee. I know it was you? recent. It's super recent. Yeah. Hmm. I'd say Persona Three. Really? Yeah. I felt like I need to do a lot of grinding in that one for some reason. But then again, uh, I've I got PTSD from Persona Three, so I, I maybe I might I shouldn't count that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not I'm not saying it's it's not valid because yeah, that makes sense to me. I played a lot of that back in the day, back when it first came out, so it makes sense. Um. And yeah, no, I totally see that. Like if if you are doing a lot, if you're putting a lot of hours into the game and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, that's a problem. That is a game design issue. Yeah. Yeah. I think giving the the player sight of the carrot at the end of the stick, uh, maybe giving the player nibbles of that carrot goes a long way. So when you're playing when you're playing a really solid and fantastic and well-made game like Final Fantasy VII Remake, you're always feeling like you're making progress. Or like Final Fantasy XV, both of which are very solid games. I feel like this is a personal polemic. <laughs> I, 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 I won't like, stand for this slander of my podcast. <laughs> First, you made an assault on the slash attack on Chrono Trigger. Okay, so I, I, I looked it up. I looked it up, by the way. It is not, it doesn't, it's not a magic spell. It does lightning elemental damage. That is why it does damage and other stuff does. I looked it up. There we All go. All right. Still blew my mind, but still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, that is that is a of all the the people I've talked to who have tried to tear down the great immovable edifice that is Chrono Trigger, that is perhaps the most obscure attempt. Let let me to, tell you, let me tell you the funniest it. part. The funniest part is that in Japanese, it's called Wind Slash. You would know that it's magic. Wind Slash? Wind Slash. Or wind rather, slash. rather, let me, get, let me get real deep on you. It's called Kamaitachi, which means, well, it doesn't mean anything. It's a, it's a, it's a wind weasel. It's like a sickle <laughs> weasel. It's, oh, okay. man. Oh, I'm uh, a weeb. Never mind. No, yeah, yeah. Oh, he said it. I'm glad I didn't have to say it. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, hey, I learned something about my favorite game of all time. Excellent. But Excellent. basically, uh, when you when you use slash on the goose, oh you are hitting the. Never mind. Let's <laughs> <laughs> talk about like friggin' slash the rest of the night. Chrono <laughs> <laughs> Trigger podcast Corey. part two. Corey, Corey, Corey. <laughs> yeah, freaking play Chrono Trigger again, dude. Was the last time you played? What was the last the, time you played it? I played the DS version. I played it like last back when it came out, maybe a year later. Like this oh, is wow. back when like I didn't have any SNES games. I was a tiny child, so. Oh, I can't believe you said SNES instead of SNES. Is that not what we call it? That's another. That's another can of worms right there. Uh, take it from the guy that's been saying Chrono instead of Chrono. Let's oh, move on. oh, okay. Let's here we go. On. Shots fired. Shots fired. <laughs> uh, a few final comments on grinding. The idea of mandatory grinding versus optional grinding. Damrius Jeriak required grinding is a chore. Datum's three twenty two. I prefer it to be optional. I don't like being forced to grind. I think that there's various approaches that game designers, RPG designers can use to make grinding not seem like grinding, to make it seem like training or to to even make it seem like you're not even doing it at all. If a hallway is twice as long, you get twice as many fights in there. You're going to come through with twice as much experience, right? But you didn't feel it because it's just the same hallway. It's just one hallway. Whereas you walking in a circle in a forest for freaking two hours. 
Which is the worst, by the way. <laughs> Which yeah. is the worst. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tired of the endless crusade of shifting through all the marked up, insincere, bloviated, fake listings dominating the gaming aftermarket? Have you visited joypadlad.com yet? The good guy of retro gaming isn't a moniker you pick up by mistake. Besides for an ever-shifting selection of video games, Joypad Lad boasts a collection of other items and categories ready for your perusal right now. There's gaming-related merch galore, licensed products, comic books, figures, mystery boxes, stickers, magnets, baubles and trinkets to suit any fancy, new and old, plus new projects coming this year. Check out joypadlad.com and tell them I sent you by accepting this coupon code for 10% off your purchase, RED10. That's RED10, R-E-D-1-0, for 10% off your order. Don't miss out. You never know when you'll find your next grail. So, so Sonic guy, I've been dominating the conversation. You got to help us out here. How do you feel about grinding? Oh, me? I don't know. Like Again, like it's like what Severing Faith puts it. I don't think of it too much as grinding. I think of it more or less as training. Well, th- that could yeah. also be because I have a martial arts background as well, too, and um, and also DBZ. But like, <laughs> but, no, the, but like, that's kind of how I find it. Like, I'll, I'll tell you an, a specific example. I was playing Final Fantasy VII last year, right? I was, play- I was playing it on my Switch. And sure. I remember, like... I just I had this odd decision like okay I'm just gonna grind every character to level 99 and I sat there for about like a week and a week and a half grinding each character up to level 99 for about three hours each night and this is like between the hours of 10 10 p.m. and 1 a.m. in the morning every night I did that and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a chore to me it just felt like oh, okay I know where I know where I'm going with this I know what what's in the horizon here. I'm going to grind everybody to level 99 and, you know, I'm just going to try to have fun with it. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> so, you know, let's go back to the Bravely Default games, which, again, I feel like Octopath Traveler is definitely a like, it's it's way to do those. Like, it's probably okay. a cousin, a, a very close cousin. In Bravely Default, you can actually customize your entire auto battle sequence. You can tell your characters exactly what to do, how to do it what to target it's a little bit like final fantasy 12 in that way so yeah there's grinding but you're not really doing it yourself automated grinding sure and is that a there's problem definitely that uh, i i mean there's definitely it's absolutely a difference between you setting the computer to run itself versus you having to tap a a thousand times to get the same result mm-hmm I mean, like, I remember grinding, finding a spot to, like, auto-grind in Final Fantasy twelve, and just being sure. like, this is awesome, and leave it on overnight. Yeah, and, yeah. and, Final, and Fantasy, come... Final Fantasy six has that, five has that, four has that. They're all, all, a lot of these Final Fantasy games have that kind of thing. Six has this thing where you can set up a loop in the raft ride in the Let River. Yes, yeah. Am I, am I blowing with, your uh, mind again? Because that's a no, thing no, you can no, do. No, 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 no. And that's the one where you heal with uh, Bannon, right? I just found out about that recently. Yeah, oh, Bannon, who has... Yeah, yeah, he's got a permanent healing yeah. ability that doesn't cost him anything. So if you set that up to use automatically, you can never die. See, I hate that crap. I hate breaking games. I do. I Right, I'm I right there with like, you on that. No, I like one of the most disappointing things in my recent Final Fantasy experience was not 7R or 15. It was the ending of Final Fantasy 2. Because I hit the boss just, twice yeah. with the blood sword and he was dead. Yeah. And I was like, well, then what, what like, was the point? I feel, better that? I, I feel bad that I told you about that one because, yeah, that's exactly how that game goes. You get the blood sword, the game is over. 
I mean, that's you shouldn't even feel bad if the if it's that overpowered. If it here's the thing: if the game is that breakable, I really don't think that that's excellent game design. I th- especially if the breaking is so transparent. Right. Like Let's contrast one that. weapon. Right. One nuts. weapon can do it. Contrast that with like Shin Megami Tensei Five, which I played recently. Um, where you do have to grind sometimes, you know, when I, when I asked you that question, I wasn't about to say like, it, this is a thing that only exists in the past. Yes. No, that's not. So there are still games that exist that require grinding, but in Shin Megami Tensei five, for instance, when you grind, you can get new characters to join your party, like with new abilities, with new stats. So, you know, it might take a couple hours to fight the next boss, but you are getting new things while you do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that incentivizes. For yes. Sure. That's the same thing with abilities and um, skills and stuff like that too. Like the grind incentivizes you to to hunt down those things. Like right. going back to going back to Final Fantasy VII. Like when you have when you're grinding out levels for your material, you get access to new spells. When you're grinding out, uh, going back to our current conversation in Octopath, like when you're when you're grinding, if you have to grind, which I'm not saying you need to, but if you have to grind, you at least have some you at least have some basis to look forward to when when you're grinding and like these skills they 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 are pretty they're pretty they're pretty useful I'll, I'll tell you that much and one thing i like about octopath is that the characters have their own you know specific abilities that are great for them but when you are able to combine people's different skills you reach a whole new level of like wow this is a really cool concept that i never would have considered had i not been able to pair it with another character for exactly. instance exactly yes um hanet and Oberic, their classes work together really well, for instance. Um, Tressa and uh, Therion, the thief and the merchant, their classes work really well together. Um, the healer, uh, Ophelia, and uh, Cyrus, their classes work great together. Just as a few examples. Um, and initially, the game doesn't even suggest that you can do this. It's really cool when you can. Yeah, I think the game suggesting those things to you, I really can't think about anything else right now other than abusing the draw system in eight to, just like break your, to be maximally overpowered at at freaking like the first disc not just the, uh, not just the draw system but the card system but, but oh, yeah, the yeah, yeah there's all the of that working together to yeah and to make you stupidly overpowered contrast that like, with like the the saga games where all of your power of the saga games comes from a randomized role you might attack and then suddenly learn like oh a super ultra beatdown, and uh you didn't even know that existed the game just gave it to you you had no idea um does it count as grinding to attack an enemy however many times to learn super ultra beatdown when maybe it only took five hits for somebody else I mean, I don't think that there's any real general consensus on the technical definition of grinding, really. Sure. So, uh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I could also argue as well that, like, even uh, even in action RPGs, like like I remember in Kingdom Hearts, depending on the certain, depending on the role that you pick uh, at the beginning of the game, because remember you can pick either uh, the sword, the shield, or oh, the rod. I see what you're saying. Right? Yeah. Depending on the, like. Your your ability your ability list is dependent on which role you pick. So if you pick the attacker, for instance, you'll get a lot of attack skills early, but you won't get most of the defense stuff. If you give up the shield, like you won't get all of the really useful defense stuff until you're like really late in the game. So you have you have no choice but to grind to get to to get some of those uh, to get some of those things. Whereas if you start with like the shield, you got all the defensive stuff, but you're not gonna you're not gonna be overly powerful until you reach like maybe level seventy. 
for instance. So, I mean, I think in that case, in that, in, in that specific instance, Kingdom Hearts does have grinding built into its system. And it's even funnier, too, because Kingdom Hearts is a point at which it's like, uh, oh, your journey will begin at sunset and then et cetera, et cetera, or your journey will begin at sunrise. And what that is actually telling you, it is telling you how your leveling curve is going to go. Yeah, that's right. I yeah. remember that now. Yeah, yeah. So, Which you wouldn't know without the internet. <laughs> you wouldn't know. I mean, or or a a prima strategy guide. Hint, hint. You should buy those. <laughs> I forgot about those. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, but um, the fact that you could de- define for yourself how your you want your grinding curve to be is interesting too. Yeah, I feel like we've said more about grinding on this episode than has ever been said on any podcast. But what ever? about like, the slash ability? Which oh my hits, gosh. Which the hits the oozes because it does elemental damage, <laughs> not physical damage. Ridiculous. I should find a Ridiculous. thing to plug right now, but I can't. Ridiculous. Wind slash. Wind slash. Wind slash. Probably would yeah. have taken up too many... Too many characters in English or something. Probably, yes. Yeah. Who knows? I'm pretty sure it's not. A, I'm pretty sure it's not called Luminaire in English either. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, folks, <laughs> guys, guys, we have to land the podcast. <laughs> we Hold on, I'm looking writing. it up. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. I have to know. I have to know. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I'm it's called shining. What are we looking? Shining. Shining, which is would have short had connotations. Enough, so who in, knows? Uh, Never mind. Yeah, that might have had connotations with the horror movie in English. Maybe, maybe. You know what actually was shining. a really big grind? I, I, I hate, I hate to, I hate to bring this up again. Back to the grinding thing. Dragon Quest games are notorious for grinds. Oh, e- even the newest one, even Dragon Quest Eleven, is very Holy, grindy. It's yeah. People are always talking very, about very how grindy. long it is. So, but yeah. there are there there are tricks in Dragon Quest Eleven that make the grind a lot easier. Granted, you're only able to use it properly maybe at the end game, but I mean, I I went like up ten levels in less than thirty minutes. <laughs> By using one of using well, one like there trick. there are specific abilities you can get to attack the metal slimes give you more experience right that's right yes exactly yeah but again like even from even going back to the original Dragon Quest Dragon Quest one that was that was a grind of a game yeah they only have one character too which <laughs> makes it even worse yeah. yeah that's crazy one character okay. you have to call him Slash. <laughs> <laughs> slash okay guys guys <laughs> oh my gosh right, ladies and gentlemen if you want two gentlemen who can talk about rpg systems infinitely you have got to get Corey and coffee uh, yep. on your show at some time bring me these are the guys that, there. <laughs> yeah these mm-hmm. are the guys that know about grpg systems but we have to land the episodes at some point we have to slash to the end so that's what we're gonna do <laughs> uh audience questions there's there's been too many to mention really and i really appreciate everybody sharing their thoughts if you want to share a question or comment to potentially get a mention on the show Keep an eye out on my Twitter at the Well-Read Mage, where I announce the topics for each Magecast episode in advance. Or you can email me at thewellreadmage at gmail.com. Next episode, I'm going to be talking with Criterion27 about Super Mario World 2, Yoshi's Island, an all-time favorite, perhaps my favorite Super Mario game of all time. 
but wow. we will cross that bridge Very when nice. we get there. Oh yeah, that is a spicy take there for you. You know All they you call them who don't like the. They call them tamago in Japanese, not eggs. You know what? You are a weeb. <laughs> you really are. I mean, I've known so many people. <laughs> I kid you not. Or rather, just like, did you know that this completely unrelated thing in Japanese is this? I was like, I can read a book. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Final question here. Final question from Summerfelt R. What are your thoughts on voice acting in retro inspired games? I think the voice acting work in Octopath is good, but I'm not sure if it fits the aesthetic of a retro game that would not have it if it came out during the period it is imitating. Now, here's a thought to add on to that. Okay, what are your thoughts on voice acting in retro-inspired games? And did you use the English voice acting or the Japanese? Because I'll tell you what. I mean, I know Corey is a Japanese because weeb stuff. Actually, but, no. No, no. Hang on. No. Hang on. I used the Japanese. That was a cheap shot at you because I, I, I used the Japanese. I did not use the Cyrus, Japanese path. Dude, as soon as Cyrus was like, indeed, sir. <laughs> he sounds like every fedora-tipping douche i've ever heard of before let me adjust my monocle and tell you about the knowledge can you, I get. Can you just do the next episode of Magecast sounding like that please just like like cyrus the whole time cyrus welcome to Magecast, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> that sort of like voice acting is yes. like a, to me is like approaching this like you're doing like a toy commercial. This is just like, oh, okay. I have like a stereotype that I'm playing. Let me do that to like the nth level. So and a- so like when he was like, indeed, I was just like, we're going to Japan. Mm, yes, I indeed. Can't, can't I'm gonna like, yeah. I'm gonna like coffee go first. They have a lot of things to say about this. Okay, <laughs> about go ahead, acting. coffee. Uh, my thoughts about this. My thoughts about this are as follows. <laughs> Oh no! It's Wait, haunting you, me. Use the wind slash. It's a wind slash. <laughs> well, no. Going back to the, going back to the question, um, voice acting in retro inspired games. Um, my my opinion is I'm not bothered by it. I mean, if it fits the aesthetic of what the game is presenting, then by all means, put in voice acting in retro inspired games. Um, but if it doesn't fit the, if it doesn't fit the, if it doesn't fit the overall narrative of the game, then don't put it in. I mean, to me, it's 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 just a nice little extra. And and to answer the second question, yes, I use the English voice acting. And funny Gosh. thing about Cyrus too Darn is, it. um, I've re- I've been reading I've been reading the Berenstain Bears to my son every night for a little bit. And there's this I one character that. whose name is Professor <laughs> Actual Factual, and I speak like Cyrus every time I, I every time I read it. Because you know why? Because <laughs> that Cyrus performance is a cartoon character. Exactly. Like that is. <laughs> That is, I mean, you you want me to take like these like heavy themes and stuff, and there's like dark stuff in his story a bit, and then he's over here, <laughs> deeds. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's it's too much. Uh, the thing, I'm less concerned with whether voice acting fits in a retro inspired game as to just if it's a decent performance. Exactly. That's right. right. Like, and not a caricature of a performance. Here's a question. Anyway, well, well, before we go, yeah, before whoa. we go on one question, yeah. who was your favorite, who was your favorite voice actor or who was your favorite voice in that game? Now I heard them all in English. Mm-hmm. I think Ophelia and Primrose had excellent voices and Therion had excellent voices. Bang on. Right. I totally agree uh, with you. Tressa. Oh, Tressa wasn't was she like squeaky? I she's know, supposed I to be. She, yeah, she yeah, had a very yeah. good spunky. She had like a very spunky time, voice, yeah. kind of like kind of yeah. aesthetic there, to be honest. Yeah, she she's supposed to be. 
Yuffie aesthetic. Yeah, you know, Final Fantasy Yuffie, remake to me is game. like you don't have a voice. <laughs> you don't have a voice. You're just a dialogue box. Uh, Corey, so you played this in English. I like did. Punk. Yeah. So first off, um, when I play games in English, it is because I firmly believe that those of us who don't actually speak Japanese cannot know if the Japanese voice acting is bad. Exactly. Unless, unless, here's the thing, right? Sometimes, because I am far from a sub purist, dude. You ever meet those people? Oh, God. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a sub purist. The only way to watch Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> I just forget it. Don't gatekeep as dialogue. A, as a person who spent most of his life watching sub things in Hindi, I mean, I kind of get that. I kind of get that notion. You ever see? Yeah, I don't know if you've in ever seen Hindi? Bollywood. Yeah, yeah. I watch a lot of Bollywood, man. <laughs> But if you ever see if you ever seen a Bollywood movie like dubbed in English, it's is it is incredibly jarring. <laughs> okay, sorry. What I was saying was first off, English voice acting in games in general. Again, if you do not speak Japanese, the main reason you wouldn't Japanese dub is good because you don't know any better. Second off, with this game in particular, we use the term uh Summerfeld says this is the period it is imitating. I don't think that's what Octopath Traveler is doing. I think Octopath Traveler is taking a retro-style RPG and bringing it into a new era. A new era where we have 3D, 3D environments, where we have these big, impressive sprites, and where we might have voice acting. So to me, it's not especially jarring. Um, in terms of characters who are really good, I like Tressa a lot. Um, I like Therion, of course. I think everybody likes Therion. Uh, I yeah, think Hanet was good because of her goofy accent, which oh, is her weird faux old English. Yeah, very frail voice too. It's an interesting voice choice. Uh, like I, I shall defeat thou. It's like all right. Yeah, I, I shall am. defeat thou. Yeah, it's very weird. Uh, here's one thing I want to push back at: mm-hmm. um, the idea of not knowing any better stuff like that. With Japanese voices. When I played I Am Setsuna, did the same thing, Japanese voices. Because sure. when a Japanese voice actor is saying the name of an attack, mm-hmm. they don't go, burn it all to the ground. I don't know what they're saying. It's just a sound effect like, Ugh! or like, hm! or ha! Hey, uh, it hey, might you know as well just be something simple like that. You know what's funny about I Am Setsuna? Uh, yes. You know the character, the main character, uh, the, the mercenary guy, <laughs> his second attack? Oh what my god, we're doing this again. It's wind slash. <laughs> is it called wind slash? I, I mean, believe so. It is. The, it is the same move. Because that was a Chrono Trigger inspired game. So yeah, it, it's the same move. That's, that's to be expected. It has X Strike in it, doesn't it as well? I'm pretty yeah, sure it is, so. yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, my friends, we're going to have to slash the end of this episode. I'm about to, I'm about to fall out of my chair. Uh, Corey... Gosh, where can our <laughs> listeners find you if they want more about uh, Slash? So you can slash me over at popzara.com, P-O-P-Z-A-R-A. Uh, I am Corey Gulliher, G-A-L-L-I-H-E-R. Uh, recent entries on popzara.com include my reviews of Dying Light 2. We've talked a little bit about uh, Monarch. Monarch is all going to be reviewed on the Well-Read Maid, so please look forward to it. I'm sorry, yes. the pixels. The pixels. Gosh. Sorry. Ah. Freaking what the ah. <laughs> It's the pixels. Okay. The pixels. I think, somebody, I think somebody broke Corey tonight. I don't ah. know what happened. But uh Corey, wherever you are, we love you. Just we're thinking about you. But maybe we need uh, to switch Ryan. on and off. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's something. It's Saturday night. It's Saturday night. I need a, need a drink, clearly. Yeah. Oh Very much goodness. so. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. Oh, well, if you, if, you, if you want to partake in my stuff, um, by all means, uh, check out my website, gameswithcoffee.com. Um, if you're looking specifically for Mobius 7, it is gameswithcoffee.com slash fanfiction slash Mobius, Mobius, M-O-B-I-U-S, dash <laughs> 7, V-I-I, in Roman numerals. So check that out. I'm also on the Pixels as well, too, writing a couple of uh, reviews and stuff. And you can find me on Twitch at Games With Coffee. I stream on Tuesday mornings, Thursday mornings, Friday afternoons, and Sunday nights. Boom, babies. Uh, Wow. I'm tired. Are you guys tired? (laughs) (laughs) Tired. This, is of, this is early I, for me. I think I oh, think really? we're still reeling from the wind slash thing. I I I I had no idea what to expect. I I we started off saying you're pure souls. <laughs> now I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Good night, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Hey, uh-huh. thank you. No, thank you, man. No, thank you. Oh my gosh. A huge thank you for listening to the entirety of that podcast. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating or review. You could do so on sites like Podchaser, Apple, or Spotify. To help support MageCast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash the pixels, where we offer early access before episodes go live for the public. Now this episode may be over, but the legend will live on. Passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. <laughs>